You're listening to the Scaling Culture Podcast, where we sit down with thought leaders who share their experiences building incredible workplace cultures. Our guest today is Wayne Davis, ex-senior VP of HR at Comcast and an HR consultant. A human resources veteran with more than 25 years of experience, Wayne has developed and led human resources teams for several Fortune 500 companies, including Comcast, NBCU, YRC Worldwide, American Greetings, Northrop Grumman, Baxter International, and Frito-Lay. In many of his roles, he's overseen the delivery of a comprehensive suite of HR solutions, which include talent acquisition, organizational design, employee engagement, total rewards, succession planning, employee development, and workforce analytics. In this episode of Scaling Culture, Ron and Wayne discuss Wayne's aha moment and a shift from traditional HR to people and culture mindset, the Comcast culture transformation, flame process, which they'll explain, and the outcome of working together to win together, and org design for the new path forward before and after changes, challenges, and impacts. Welcome to another episode of the Scaling Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Ron Lovett, and today I'm extremely excited to have Wayne Davis with us. Wayne, welcome. Ron, how are you? I'm Glad great. To be here. Yes, and good to see you again, my friend. I was excited. You you know, sometimes I don't look uh, too far ahead in my calendar, but uh, this morning I looked and I was like, oh, Wayne's on today. I was really excited because I, oh. I was... I was really energized from our last conversation. So I, you gave me a, a boost of energy today knowing that we were going to chat. So thank you. Hey, the feeling's mutual, Ron. Yes. So, <laughs> um, so, so we, we've done an intro uh, for you, but give us just a, just a snapshot of who is Wayne Davis. Give us a snapshot of, of, of who you are, short and brief, if you don't mind. Uh, well, first and foremost, uh, Wayne Davis is a family guy. I've been married to my lovely wife, Sharon, for uh, 29 years now, and we have two lovely kids. We currently reside in uh, Denver, Colorado, uh, born and raised in Cincinnati, Ohio, and uh, uh, had the great opportunity of attending two great uh, universities, University of Cincinnati and also Indiana University. And I uh, am about 30 some odd years into a career in human resource leadership and management. Uh, now I'm doing uh, consulting work and supporting companies with uh, human resource transformation and strategy and uh, absolutely loving it. Oh, that's great. Great. And, and we were just saying before, look, uh, I'm so excited for your new path because, you know, of course, I'm biased, but I love entrepreneurship. <laughs> it is an experience. Um, yeah. But uh, I have to say that uh, I, I it, it definitely is a great place to be at this juncture and to groups that I'm working with are really fun groups to support. I love it. Well, well, let's jump into it because Wayne, from our last conversation, you, you, you really, you know, had a self transformation or career transformation or focus transformation from, from, from I'll call it old school, you know, HR to a culture driven HR role. So tell us about that. What was that like for you? Uh, well, you know, Human resources over time has evolved. You know, many years ago we called it personnel, then we called it uh, labor relations. And uh, actually, my undergraduate degree is in industrial relations. And I think a lot of the practical thought at that point in time is HR people are there to kind of build an infrastructure to ensure people get paid on time, to ensure they get trained or they uh, receive the type of uh, nurturement that they receive on a day-to-day basis, but it really had very little to do about the organization and the world in which employees actually operate on a day-to-day basis. Uh, The good news is that the profession has evolved, (laughs) and now HR professionals are 
asked to actually help leaders design environments and cultures where employees can thrive. No longer are employees staying with one company for 30 years. If you can have an employee stay with you for three to five, you're lucky and fortunate. But within that three to five years, how do you create an environment where employees can thrive, be their authentic self, and be as productive as they can be? And that requires a very different mindset and also a very different approach from a human resources perspective. So let's go to mindset because tell me, let's go back to, I don't know if that's a moment in time where you were like, oh, so I was kind of running point on policy and payroll. And now I'm like, wow, this is, I need to, I'm looking at this very differently. What, what Mm -hmm. was that? Where were you in that transition? And what was, did you have to change your belief system? Was that a long transition for you? Tell me about that. Uh, It was a, uh, a long transition. I would say at least for the first 15 years of my career, I spent a lot of my time just on practice and policy. You know, we're always in the back room creating some type of new policy document. Um, And not to say that that was not good stuff, but even the best policy written on paper doesn't necessarily mean that employees are happy and satisfied and and productive. And um, after a while, you start beating your head against the wall. And then finally, you start asking employees what really matters. (laughs) And they tell you, it's not what's written on this, this uh, piece of paper. It's essentially how my boss and how this work, uh, workplace makes me feel. Do I get energized when I get up in the morning? And, um, you know, that was kind of the light bulb for me when I really started to do uh, uh, human resource and uh, employee engagement work uh, through employee engagement surveys, what we call focus group sessions, things of that sort. And that direct dialogue with employees about, you know, how the company was showing up to work and how they were showing up to work. That's when the light bulb and aha moment came on for me. And I re- realized that it's more than just the policies and what you put on paper. It's about how you show up and what you do in the work environment each and every day. And, and what was the temperature uh, and what's your organization were you with when this was going on? Uh, this was with uh, Comcast NBC Universal. Okay. So, yeah. so huge corporation. And I'm curious yeah. when, when this happened, was this an initiative driven from a leader that you had, or was it, okay, I've gone out, got this information. I need to tell our leaders that we need to make a change. What, what, you know, what you know, was it was a little bit of both. Uh, I give a lot of credit to the leader that I was working for, the president of the division that I uh, supported. Uh, he you know, came from a couple other companies where they had actually invested a lot into employee engagement, employee culture. So he brought that philosophy with him. There were already a few... Um, surveys and instruments or tools in place at Comcast at the time, but they needed to be taken to a whole new level. So certainly his vision that, hey, I need more, I need to have uh, an HR organization and HR leadership to help me figure out exactly what makes people tick, Uh, but also the fact that we already had a few tools that needed to be, um, I guess, evolved a bit. Oh, the okay, two sorry. just came together and the stars lined up and, and we were rocking and rolling. <laughs> Love it. And that's great. Um, so in our last conversation, you talked about this flame process and the outcome of this being win together, uh, work together, win together. Tell yeah. us more. Um, at the time, when I first took on my role, uh, heading up human resources for uh, Comcast West Division, so about a $11 billion enterprise, 21,000 employees, we were essentially a group of uh, kind of a loose confederation of seven uh, or eight operating units all reporting into a division. Each operating unit acted on its own as kind of its own strategic business unit. As the new president came in, he said, hey, I don't longer want to operate as a holding company. I want to be an operating company. At the division level, 
I think we should all be focusing on how we perform as a, as a unit, not as a uh, group of six or seven loosely confederated regions. Um, we did bring in a org design consultant who introduced us to this concept of the flame. And the flame really comes to um, a point of saying, hey, before you even start thinking about an organizational brand, identify two things. First, who you are, what is your identity? And then what you do in terms of how do you show up each and every day? And so identity and tone kind of became the forefront of who we were gonna be as leaders. And as far as identity, we said, first and foremost, we're gonna be collaborators. We're gonna be customer focused. We're gonna focus on operational excellence and we're gonna be agile. And so those were kind of the identity factors that we said, as we go through this transformation as a division, that's who we are. And then we said, what's the tone? So what is it like to do business with us? We're candid, we're trusting, we're inclusive, we're engaged. And so those attributes started to become the kind of behaviors that we wanted to nurture across the organization. Why do I think this is important? So many companies focus on culture from a brand perspective. Brand is a promise. What do we promise you each and every day? Apple, they promise consistency and the greatest type of user experience possible. But in each and every organization, it's more than just a promise. It's about who you are at your core. And I believe that uh, driving culture starts with this uh, flame concept of deciding who you are from an identity perspective and then how you show up each and every day from a tone perspective. Well, that's really interesting. Um, but it, it, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like this flame process was actually creating core values for you guys. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right? And uh, what it really helped us to um, uh, identify was, you know, as we looked at our business and we looked at how we engaged and what was right for our business, our values started to actually come back to that. It wasn't based on some altruistic idea of, hey, what do we want to be and what we think might be the, the neat or sexy thing to say at the time. It really came back to, okay, as we look at our business and we looked at our 20, 25 year history as a business and we look at the, new, the next 20 to 25 years, what, really, what do we really represent on a day-to-day -day basis and who do we really want to be and why is that important? And uh, we asked ourselves those critical questions. And that really, as you said, became our foundation from a values perspective. And did those values, uh, Wayne, stay with the division or did that premiate to the whole company? You know, it's very interesting. Um, we were very, very aggressive once we had identified that identity and tone. It was plastered on every PowerPoint deck that we, uh, that we nurtured and things of that sort. And it is very interesting that many of those factors started to permeate to other divisions and other regions outside of our organization. Uh, it started to really become just kind of a glue that started to bring the rest of the company together. And uh, other groups started to emulate us. And, that. Uh, and you mentioned before, uh, we did, uh, above that identity and tone, every company has to have a mantra and our division said, hey, our new mantra is working together to win together. Again, like I said before, we weren't going to be this loosely confederated group of seven or eight operating regions. We were going to be one West division. And that mantra was working together to win together. I love that this company was 25 years old and this was a division yeah. and there was enough courage to say we need to make a change here, even if it's at the divisional level. And let's see where this Absolutely. goes. I love that because I think that there's this this perspective, this belief that, look, if this didn't come from the original founder or CEO, that it's not possible, but you've proven that wrong. 
No, I again, uh, every organization in in and of its own right has a definitive culture, whether it's you know dictated or it's derived or you actually try to nurture it directly, and uh, it can change. It can pivot uh, with the right leadership. Uh, the right vision with a compelling message to employees and to workers, uh, folks are willing to change if they really believe that that changes for the better. And uh, we were able to um, kind of rally 21,000 people around this new vision and this new approach and change and alter behavior. And I'm sure at some point in time, we'll, we'll get to the outcomes. But over a five-year period of time, we, we took that division to a whole new, whole new level. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited to get there. But, but I'm, I'm curious first, on was this divisive? Because I know from my experience, when I when I finally anchored from the old, I'll call it command control, you know, default culture to designing the new future culture, it was divisive. I mean, it really, it became this repel detract. It started to attract the right people and repel some per- current individuals that were there that said, I didn't sign up for this. This isn't who we were yesterday. Right. And I don't know if I wanna continue on forward. Did that happen? Yeah, as, as you know, Ron, with every organizational change, you have your early adopters, but you also have your detractors. <laughs> Those individuals who said, hey, I like the old way of how things went. Um, I think in, in uh, the best cases, maybe you can kind of sway maybe 50% of those detractors, but you are going to have some that just says that will just say, this is just not for me. <laughs> uh, I love, and in our case, certainly there were those who said, I love independence. I want to work for a small independent business that's not somehow um, where my rewards and my value is not impacted by other organizations that I don't think I can influence. And um, we, we did have some individuals who just decided that this was not for them. But uh, I will say that the majority of the organization rallied. They distinctly saw the benefit that, hey, we could be better working as a more uh, cohesive unit. And, uh, and as the results started rolling in, uh, they became true believers. Well, it's interesting because I, I think that this is a, <clears throat> and I've seen leaders, entrepreneurs, companies get to this pivotal moment, right? Where mm-hmm. they make this decision, they, they create the, 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 the values for the future of the company through whatever process, even if it's through the flame process. And I love that one, by the way. And and then when the the non-adopters um, don't want to you know, forge ahead and decide, look, I don't know if I, you know, I've been here for 10 years. I don't know if this is for me. Then we've seen some people kind of uh, retract and say, oh, whoa, 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 maybe we shouldn't go down this path. And then they go back to where they were because, you know, um, I, I, I don't think that's, in some cases, from an alignment perspective, those people leaving is a bad thing, right? And I think in our heads, we're like, whoa, you know, Tony, Sarah's been here for 10 years. They want to leave now. This this isn't working, you know? Right. We, have this, we have this belief that everyone's going to want to adopt this. Absolutely. Absolutely. Not every organization is for everyone. And right. uh, as you design what your organization is going to be, there's going to be a unique set of individuals who thrive in that environment, and there will be some who don't. Um, what you, I do believe, and maybe this is my altruistic, uh, people-focused uh, HR perspective, is that you do the best for those who decided to part. Uh, try to make their transition as easy and palatable as, as you can, um, and uh, hopefully, if you can, help them find an organization that uh, is supportive of their their own value system. Um, but um, uh, from my perspective, if you can get 80 to 90% of that organization going in the right direction, 
um, you, you really have something that uh, is going to be beneficial. And that, that was, uh, that was our experience. Yeah, I, I love that. And you, you said the word design. So let's go back to yeah. this because I'm going to call this flame process for you guys. That's foundation for yeah. the future, right? Exactly. But, but then you had to redesign the organization to fit that future vision. Tell us about that. that that's got to be, you know, even tougher, right? Because a big change redesigning the order. What, what did that look like? What was the change from, from, you know, from uh, the old uh, organization structure to this new future, um, future structure? Uh, that's where I found that um, some of that experience in designing policy and practice came, uh, came in handy um, in terms of taking a second look at how the organization operates, how you get things done day in and day out, what's the operating rhythm of the organization. And so one of the first areas we went to was uh, around our compensation rewards process. Um, many of our rewards, particularly our bonus plan, was more oriented toward local metrics and local outcomes. And uh, we said, no, in the future, it's going to be mixed. It's going to be hybrid. Yeah, you're still going to be rewarded and bonused on your local outcomes, but also you're going to be incentivized on those outcomes across the entire division. So when the entire division does poorly, you know, you may not do as well. When the entire division does well, you'll do even better. Um, And what we ended up finding is that our leaders actually embrace this. You know, even though I might be meeting my target locally, my uh, my fellow regional unit in Houston may be having a really tough year. I'm going to do what I can to over index on what I'm doing locally to try to make up some of that gap. And um, that really, really made a huge difference in terms of the total performance of the organization. And leaders started to embrace that, that, hey, I can help my fellow uh, compadres in other markets where um, they may be facing some unique challenges that I'm not. Yeah, you, you beat me to it. That was what I was going to ask is, did it create this cohesiveness of, hey, you know, I'm struggling, Wayne, in this other division. And, and not only are you rocking and rolling, but now you're going to reach out and help me to, to know that that's going to benefit everybody, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, there were also those aha moments where, hey, if I found in my market that there were certain uh, levers that I was pulling that were actually leading to greater success, I'd be willing to jump on the phone and call my other compadres together from the other markets and say, hey, listen, this is what I did. This is what happened. Maybe you want to try this. And that type of dialogue never really happened before. That was something totally new, uh, but it just lifted all the boats. Wow. So, so true collaboration, right? Where Absolutely. It was very singular before and 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 uh, secluded, I guess. And so yeah. what about um, what about reporting? Did reporting change as you changed the, the Yeah, the, the metrics dashboard went through a major uh, transformation. Um, uh, no longer again were, were the metrics just the roll-up of what was happening in each market. Uh, we actually had distinct, distinctive targets from a total division perspective that every region leader had to distinctly ensure that we met. Uh, we made the scorecard much more transparent. So not only were senior leaders at the vice president director level uh, uh, had access to those, uh, those metrics, but all the way down to the employee level. At any given period of time, employee could go online or look on their graphic dashboard in their uh, call center and actually see how their region and division was performing against those targets. And so by providing that level of transparency across the entire organization. And that had 21,000 employees who were totally committed to understanding essentially how are we doing, not only locally, but uh, across the entire division. And, and they understood what their role, their particular role had to do to support that number as well. 
And so it's just not putting the number in front of individuals, helping them understand how their role each and every day supports getting to that number also is a way of making sure you have the glue that uh, promotes uh, the performance and the productivity necessary to drive the, drive the outcome. So, so a few things that jumped out, right? Uh, so you, you, it changed to this collaborative environment that provided peer-to-peer support and transparency. Those are the three things that really jumped out at me. Right. Uh, which those three things equaled alignment, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so talk about the, the greater outcomes. What was the organizational outcome? What happened? What, you know, was it you know, less turnover, attracted better people, financial results? What did it look like? Well, certainly all of that. Um, it's very interesting. The company had what they called a uh, power ranking. So every month, uh, all of the regions and the divisions uh, had the scorecard. And the 17 regions across the entire United States were kind of power ranked based on their performance against their operating plan. Um, Prior to rolling out this new working together to win together initiative, we may have one or two, maybe in a good month, three of our operating regions at the top of the power rankings. You wanted to be in the top third. So, you know, one of the top six or seven um, uh, regions. Once our initiative launched, our goal was not just to have one or two uh, regions in the power. We wanted all seven. We wanted all seven of those slots at the top. Uh, Within the year, uh, at least four of our regions maintained those top top seven slots. Uh, And uh, by the end of the the five-year period, we had gotten to a point where at least six or seven consistently were in those top seven slots. In fact, our division, uh, as you compare division performance, out of uh, over 47 consecutive months, the division was actually number one in that power ranking, uh, uh, power ranking curve. Uh, operating performance across the division increased by about 20%. Um, performance across the regions averaged about a 10% increase. We had the best employee engagement ratings in the company for about five years. We had employee satisfaction ratings that uh, hit about 70% levels of satisfaction across the board. Um, and um, from a turnover perspective, we had some of the lowest turnover in the company. Wow. So um, it was just an incredible, incredible journey, uh, all centered around quote unquote culture, <laughs> just you know, providing an environment where people can, can live, thrive and have a vision and um, and be reinforced for the behaviors and contributions that they're making. Uh, it was a very enlightening experience for me. Well, the, the, look, the data speaks for itself, and I feel like you, you, you know you were you were living it, my friend. You are very yeah. proud of that data, and we're proud Absolutely. to be part of that. Good for you. So, so I'm just curious, though, um, what what were some of the new challenges that came up that you didn't have before? And you know, I know when when uh, from my experience you know, when I had really shifted culture my, in my previous business, when I had the private security company, um, one of the, one of the challenges we had was um, change was a little slower in some cases, large change only because <clears throat> we really uh, looked at our individuals as, as true stakeholders. They weren't shareholders. And so I felt in some cases, Wayne, that I almost had to lobby staff members for change versus the old command and control. Hey, everybody, here's what we're doing. And, 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 you know, my wife and I used to have these conversations because she would say, geez, like just flick the switch. And I'd say, no, I'm not. It's going to be a little sl- longer to do. But once we get there, it's on. We, we're really going to accomplish what we're looking to do. 
what did you find from your experience? What were these new challenges that you didn't have in the old structure that maybe popped up and then how'd you deal with them? Well, um, and you've really hit the nail on the head. When you start to focus on culture and employee engagement, it requires a very different leadership style. And the style of, hey, just do what I say. I distinctly know all the, the right things to do. Just follow my lead. That style has to go out the window. And um, again, our 25 years of history, we had leaders who basically operated that way. That was how they succeeded. And so what we needed to do was actually pivot and train a whole new layer of leadership on how to be much more inclusive and less directive in terms of their leadership style. Right, uh, I, worked with, I worked with our, our leadership development group and we created a end-to-end curriculum uh, around transformative leadership. Again, their focus was on more so on listening than telling right. and trying to help. How do you facilitate your staff needs to the degree that you're actually involving your employees to give you ideas and solutions as opposed to you telling them distinctly how things need to be done? And then, you know, having them take control and take ownership for those solutions and outcomes. I love the story that you have given in the past about the employee who came to you uh, and gave you some suggestions about uh, vehicles that needed to be purchased for your fleet. And you just said, hey, why don't you go ahead and figure out which vehicle we need? I, I, I have no idea what's the best vehicle. And that, that's the type of nurturing leadership that we needed. And so we really had to spend about a year to two years to transform that leadership style uh, in order to get to where we wanted to be. Wow. And so I'm curious how many from a percentage standpoint, made it through because that was also that, that I mean, some don't make it through and just say, look, I, I'm command control. Leave me alone. I, you know, right. my belief system isn't that, and I don't believe that. And so how, how many made it through? Uh, I think because of our efforts and uh, what was just a dynamite leadership development program we put together, we got about 80%, again, kind of the Pareto mm-hmm. rule, 80, 20, we got about 80% of our individuals to transform and to go through that journey. And we probably lost about 20% of our leaders over time. Wow. That's incredible. I I love that. Yeah. Um, Well, Wayne, any, anything else uh, that comes to mind that we haven't talked about that you think would be interesting uh, to the listeners today? Well, you know, one of the other things that we did um, in addition to this cultural initiative is that we created an employee branding initiative. And so in addition to saying, okay, who we are, our identity and tone from a flight perspective, coming up with the working together, the win together, uh, cultural aspect, we also said, what is it like to be a Comcaster? And we came up with this brand initiative called I Am Comcast. We actually took about 100, 200 employees into a three-day session to say, what are the key attributes of being a Comcaster in the West Division? And it was interesting. There were six distinct aspects of uh, the work Comcast work life that they thought were important. First was development, second was communication, third was community, fourth was career, uh, fifth was empowerment, and uh, sixth was recognition. And so we put that into a major branding initiative, which we call I Am Comcast. And across the entire organization, no matter what location or uh, facility you went into, you would see these posters with pictures of our employees talking about one or or several of these attributes and how it actually made a difference for them in the course of their their careers at the company. And we then took that branding initiative and made it 
public. And so as employees or potential employees or prospective candidates were uh, looking to join us, the I am Comcast brand was what we identified to them that if this is what you, you're looking for, this is the type of work experience that you want as an employee, um, this is what we have to offer. So that became our brand promise. And that really overlaid on top of our culture to just create just this dynamic environment where employees first and foremost, not only understood who they are and, and uh, how they were supposed to show up on a day-to-day -day basis from an identity and tone perspective, but also the brand. That was the promise. If you do all these things, this is what the company is going to provide to you. Yeah. And I think that was a really key component of, of the environment that we created. Love that. That's a mic drop. I love that. <laughs> so, so Wayne, look, now that you're on your own, um, and I don't know, um, you know what, what stage you're at, where, where do people listening find you? You can obviously add a lot of value to, from your experience uh, and knowledge to corporations. Where, where do we find you? Uh, you can find uh, also you can connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, Wayne Davis uh, should be pretty easy to find. Um, also, uh, you can direct email me at uh, Davis D A V I S W Y N uh, at sprynet.com s p r y n e t dot com. Um, and I think either through those two um, mediums, uh, you should be able to connect with me and I love to connect with you, see what uh, maybe my experience, my expertise might uh, uh, be uh, uh, able to help uh, any organization or any institution with what they're trying to do. Well, that sounds great, Wayne. And I'm, I'm very lucky to be able to talk to you today. And everyone, uh, I think, really appreciates your, your, uh, your time and your counsel. And so thank you uh, for dropping in and being our guest today. And I look forward to staying in touch. Ron, thanks for the opportunity to be on this podcast. Have a wonderful week. For more information about Wayne, please connect with him on LinkedIn. For more information about the Scaling Culture podcast or our upcoming book and masterclass, Scaling Culture, go to ConnellyOwens.com. And if you're enjoying the Scaling Culture podcast, please subscribe and share. We'll be back next week with another incredible guest.